just, even as we're singing and worshiping together then, just feel the love of Jesus in this room. Feel this room's, this church's love for Jesus. You know, it doesn't surprise me that we're planting this church in the harbour because that's a direct sign of our love for Jesus. You know, the more we get that balance right, that we love Jesus, and because we love Jesus, we love the world that Jesus has put us in for this season, the more that we're going to do stuff like this, the more we're going to plant churches, the more we're going to have gospel witness in parts of our town and parts of our county and parts of our world. It's a direct overflow of the love of Jesus. And I love that, you know, and I just, as we were worshipping, as we were singing, as these guys just led us so well into the presence of God and into worship, the love in the room for Jesus, it stirred my heart. And that's what I want us to be known for. Not the, not the church that has 600 people or a nice building on the edge of Hamden Park. I want us to be known for the church that loves Jesus, that overflows with passion for Jesus. And we are in a, a teaching series, a short teaching series that Clive kicked us off with uh, last week as we looked at confession together, just called Forgotten Arts. And these are, you know, Forgotten Arts are, they are kind of spiritual habits that help us to love Jesus more. And often, and I don't want us to approach them in, oh, I've got, this is a tick list. So if I pray, if I read my Bible, if I fast, if I, you know, witness, then I will be a holy person. This is not a tick list. Actually, it's completely the other way around. Is that when we love Jesus much, everything about Jesus so gets a hold of the inside of us that everything else just becomes a bit shallow in comparison. Everything just feels like, what am I pursuing that for when Jesus is so good and so gracious? And so the forgotten arts are, are spiritual habits that allow us, help us to loosen our grip on the world and the world's grip on us so that we can tighten our grip on Jesus. And I think that's what you want to do. I just feel that's the, that was the temperature in the room this morning. There's a desire in the room from the youngest to the oldest. We want to tighten our grip on Jesus and loosen our grip on the world. Amen? So those habits help us to do that. And today I want us to look at a couple of things. Fasting and abstinence. You think, oh no, fasting. But I want us to look at them in the light of what I've just said. And actually put in brackets there, letting go. Because actually this is more about us letting go and letting God. And whether, whether that means that fasting is a, a way of helping us to let go and abstinence of things is a way of helping us to let go. But Christians have fasted and prayed and abstained from things for centuries. And it's always been as a result of wanting to know Jesus more. And when it's not, it gets all out of kilter. I want to try and protect us from that. But before I go into a little bit about fasting, I just want to just touch on something, just to lay a foundation this morning for us as a church. There are four ways that as Christians, we approach growing in God. Three of them are actually wrong. And one of them is right. 
And I just want to touch on those first three very, very quickly. And you may find yourself slipping into these categories sometimes. But the first is this. We approach our Christian growth in this way. God, then me. God, not me. God plus me and God in me, being united with Christ. Some of us come to faith in Jesus. We receive his salvation, his forgiveness, his grace, his righteousness. We're born again. And then for some reason or other, that which he started, we decide we need to finish. I do it. We somehow feel that I have got to add my effort to God's and and otherwise I'm not going to grow. And do you know what that does? It it negates the ongoing aspect of sin around our lives. Although we've been delivered from sin, we're still living in a world of sin and we're still being brought up in a way that we sin. So God can't just leave it to us to get on. We need His grace and we need His mercy and we need His power to be at work in our lives. So it's not God, then me. Christian, be freed from that today. It's also not God, it's also God not, it's not God, not me. Sometimes we can approach our Christian growth as, well, thank you, Lord. You've saved me. You've delivered me. I'm righteous. And now it's all up to you, Lord. I'm going to stand here. I'm going to watch you grow me. Do you see the holiness come on me now? Just the holiness. Yes, Lord, it's all about you. It's not about me. I don't need to do anything. It's not that either, church. It's not God, not me. It's not let go and let God. We have a part to play as well. But it's also not God plus me. So often we can feel, well, so part of our Christian growth is, is God's responsibility and then the other half is my responsibility. So we all got a, we've both got a part to play in Christian growth. But it's not that either. What it is, is God in me. We are united to Christ. That's the miracle of salvation. And when it's God in me, it's 100% God, but it's also 100% me as well. So we do have a part to play. And I just want to use an illustration. I've got my, got my dad's old gloves. And often when we come to faith, we come a bit battered, a bit like these gloves on the screen. We're a bit cracked and dry. And you can hardly move us. But what happens is when we receive Christ into our lives and he comes and dwells in us, he literally takes up residence in us, in our lives. And he starts to move. And he starts to direct us. But the thing is, we're pretty broken and we're pretty dry And we're pretty messed up. And we need the Holy Spirit to soften us so that we can do what he wants us to do. 
so that we, when he clenches his fists, we clench our fist. So that when he points, we point. And we can't do that even in our own strength. We need the oil of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if any of you watched that programme, The Repair Shop. Anyone like that, sh- that programme, The Repair Shop? There's a few of you in here. There's a brilliant artisan on there called Susie Fletcher. And she's an artisan in leather. And these old relics of leather things like briefcases or, or book covers or uh, horse saddlery, they come in and they're all battered. And then she takes this conditioning leather conditioner and starts to rub it in to the leather. And all of a sudden you start to see, wow, this leather is just becoming like new. It's becoming supple, it's becoming pliable. That's what the Holy Spirit does with us. As Jesus comes and dwells in us, the Holy Spirit pours his oil on us, the oil of his spirit on us, and we become more pliable in his hands. We are united with Christ and that's how we grow. We grow in unity with Christ. And you know what the amazing thing is that we may decide, you know what, I'm just, going to be, I'm just not gonna be compliant. Jesus is living in us and we go through seasons. I know I've gone through them in my life when we say, you know what, I'm just gonna be a stubborn Christian. You know, I know I just said you are my Lord, but actually I just wanna do my own thing, Lord. Do you know what? We're still Christians. He still lives in us. But we, we become stagnant. And we become less fruitful. And I don't know, what, I don't know about you, church, but I, I want to be fruitful. I want to I have fruit coming out of my life because Jesus is, is so filling me. And I'm so willing to let his fingers move my fingers. And I'm so willing to allow him to have complete control over my life. I just want you to be glorified in me, Lord. Have your way in me. So that's my prayer for us. Even at the beginning of this year, that we will just become more and more pliable to the Holy Spirit. Let me just read Romans 6, verses 5 to 7 to you. It just talks about that, us being united with Christ. For if we have been united with him, that's Jesus, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the old body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For one who has, been, who has died has been set free from sin. We have been united with Jesus. In his death, yes, but also in his resurrection. We've been united with him. You know, 67 years ago uh, this week, Jim Elliot, a missionary, was just 29 years old, along with four friends, went to share the gospel with a notoriously violent tribe in Ecuador. All five of them were martyred by that tribe. Jim Elliot's wife, Elizabeth, published his journals and he wrote this beautiful line. Many of us will know this. It's just a wonderful, I guess, mantra for us. This is what Jim said. 
He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim was a lover of God. Like Clive said last week, Christian faith is simple. You love God and you love people. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And in this program of us becoming more pliant and the Holy Spirit having his work in us so that we become fruitful disciples of Jesus, where we play our part, saying, Holy Spirit, have your way in me. And, And Jesus plays his part by saying, let me move you and direct you and lead you. Fasting and abstinence has an important part to play. It's a part of our growing softer and more supple in the hands of God. You know, at the prayer meeting on Tuesday, I I left that time just totally blessed because I felt there was such an incredible hunger amongst those that were gathered to pray. And that hunger is increasing in us as a church. And you know what? Even those who are not feeling hungry, and I put my my hand up in, in that category so many times, I don't feel hungry. Even those of us who are not feeling hungry are saying, Lord, make us hungry. We want to be hungry. And even those of us who don't feel like we want to be hungry are praying, Lord, make us feel like we want to be hungry. (laughs) And I love that because what God is doing is setting us up for more of the work of the Holy Spirit through us and more of our valuable witness to this town. So what is biblical fasting? Let me just read this to you. It's going to come up on the screen. Mentioned over 50 times in the Bible, fasting is essentially giving up food or something else that is significant to us for a period of time in order to focus our thoughts and attentions on God. In a bit, I'm going to share some things that fasting does. But I just want to say this, that for me, ever since I had the brain tumour three years ago, I'm on a concoction of medication that kind of helps me survive. And so I can't fast food. I used to, uh, and I used to have periods of fasting and they were great blessings to me. But in this season in my life, I'm, not, I'm unable to fast food. It's not good for me to do that. But fasting doesn't have to be food. For some, it is food. For some, it's fasting food for a day, for a couple of days, for a week, for longer. For, other it's, for others, it's fasting Netflix and the new series of The Crown. For others, it's fasting sport for a period of time. These things are not necessarily sin. Often they're good things. But God tells us to loosen our grip on the good so we can lay hold of the best. And so fasting can include sport, and it can include Netflix or other subscription television channels. Leisure. Hobbies, alcohol. I was with someone this week who, um, just a precious person in the life of the church who's a good friend of mine. We were talking about alcohol and I just felt really challenged. I don't normally do this, but I felt challenged with him just to say, hey, I want you to fast alcohol. 
for a season. He's not an alcoholic. But I just felt like an encouragement to say, fast alcohol for a season and pursue God. Don't just, just, don't just fast alcohol, but pursue God. So this is not meant to make anyone feel guilty, but if it pushes a few buttons, that's okay. Because I, I want us to get serious about God. So to some of you, I'm gonna say fast Netflix. Fast your leisure time and pursue Jesus. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, probably one of his most well-known preaches, beginning in Matthew, he just said this, I haven't got this on the screen, but he just says that when you fast, do not look gloomy. Basically, don't let anyone know you're fasting. Like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their rewards. Their reward is being seen by others. That's not a great reward, is it? But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, and your, that your fasting may, be see, may not be seen by others, but your, by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Who wants to be rewarded by the Father? I do. I really do. So let me just put this list of things that fasting does and fasting achieves in us. Biblical fasting or abstinence of anything for a short or long period of time in order to pursue God does this. It changes us and not God. It doesn't persuade God to do anything. Listen to that, because often we can be very religious about it. If I fast, if I give up this, maybe God will do this. It's the wrong approach. Fasting changes us, not God. Fasting sets our hearts and minds towards God. Distractions are dispelled in order that we can spend uh, exclusive time with God. Fasting loosens our grip on the world and loosens the world's grip on us. Fasting is often linked to prayer, prayer and fasting. Fasting precedes important life decisions or steps. In the New Testament, before they launched into missionary journeys or they sent Paul out on missionary um, journeys, they would fast, they would pray, they would seek God. Fasting increases intimacy with God. Wow, what a hallmark. I want that hallmarked into my life. Intimacy with God. Fasting helps to increase that. Fasting is linked to spiritual influence and authority. Fasting is linked to breaking of bondage. Fasting is not twisting God's arm to do anything. But as we read in Matthew 6, God does reward it. I just want to put this picture of Mo Farah up on the screen. This is from the 2012 
Olympics. Mo Farah won two golds that, that year, became Olympic champion twice for the 5,000, 10,000 meters. And you would have thought, well, it looked pretty easy for Mo. But in the years leading up to the London 2012 Olympics, Mo spent months and months away from his family in other countries with extreme and um, radical diets. Why? Because he wanted gold. He felt that time away from his family, time away from his normal eating habits, time away in another country, unfamiliar regime, up early in the morning, exercising mile after mile after mile was worth it. Why? Because of gold. And Christian, it is worth fasting and abstaining from things because of gold, because of Jesus Christ. Andy Thornett in our Thursday church service said this a couple of weeks back. He says, stop pursuing the sparkly trinkets and start hanging on to the gold of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we have to let things go. I brought my sweets with me today. I'm amazed that they're still here because there was a lot of children around earlier on. But this is a little lesson that I taught my kids. Is that I put my hand in this jar and I start to grab hold of a whole load of these sweets. And I've got them in my fist. So, but I want to eat them. So I'm trying to get them out. I just can't. I just cannot, loose, I just cannot loosen it. Oh no, I just can't get it out. You know what? We lay hold of stuff that is good. We give our time to things that is good. And this is, I say, this is not about guilt. But we do. We hold on to things that are, that are good. But there's something that I want to have that's so much better. And it's Jesus. And it's his life in me. And if I realize, if I realize that if I want to give my wife a hug, well, I could do this. I could do. But there's a point I'm going to have to let go. And it's only, until, only when I let go that my hand comes out. And today, people, there's people here, you need to let go of some things. Not, not necessarily permanently, maybe short-term letting go, but things just need to fall off you because Jesus wants to increase hunger in you and the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in us. I just, a few years ago, this was a time where, when I personally could fast food, on, fairly, on a fairly regular basis, I would love to go to Ashburnham. I love that place, because as soon as you drive in the drive, you almost sense the presence of God there. Because so many people have prayed there for such a long time, and you just feel, oh, wow, this is a different place. Clive calls this like a, 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 a bliminal space, a thin space. Is that how, how you say it? Liminal, yeah. I'll let Clive do the big words. 
a liminal space, it's a thin space. You, think, you feel like you're close to heaven in that space. And this was a few years ago. And I, I was at a time of fasting and I stayed there a, few, a couple of nights, praying, just drinking juice. What, because I wanted to get closer to Jesus. And I remember one day, I was walking around one of the lakes, um, the lower lake at Ashburnham. And as I was walking around, my heart had been, for the time that I'd been there, Lord, just, just take me. Anything that's holding me, will you just take it off me? I want all of you. I want this next season in my life to be so, so full of you. And I want to be consumed with you. I know sometimes I'm not and I, I get so distracted and I, I pursue other things. I want this to be an opportunity for you to strip that off me. And I just walking around the lake and I came to this dead old trunk I found out since that this, it was a huge trunk, but it was a tree that had been blown over in 1987. Do you remember the storm of 1987? Anyone alive when that was, when that happened? Yeah. You were praying for your roof and your chimney stacks like crazy that night. This tree fell over in that storm and all it was was a stump. Stumps are mentioned in the Bible quite a lot, actually, but this was a stump. And uh, one of the things that I just felt the Holy Spirit was saying to me at the time, just be ready, be willing to just lay it all down. And one of the things that have become a bit precious to me is many of you remember that I used to lead worship here. I was the worship pastor here at King's for many years. And it was something I loved. But you know, sometimes it just got a little bit out of hand. I almost loved it too much. I loved the worshipped rather than the one I was worshipping. And we can all do this. So in my little pocket, I always used to keep it there, is a little plectrum. You know, the thing you strum the strings with? So I took that plectrum out and I pushed it into the dead rotten wood of that stump. And it was just like saying, Lord, I give this to you. I choose to abstain from this. I don't want this to have a hold on my life. I want you to have the hold on me. So as I pushed it into the trunk, I just felt like it was a peaceful thing. It was almost not hard, but it was a, a letting go. And I looked up, and I'd never seen this before, but out of the middle of this stump, this dead stump, had been dead for a few years, was this brand new trunk. And it went straight up. And I thought, how does that happen? How does a new stump come from a dead trunk? But it does. There's a wonderful verse in Isaiah 11. I'm just going to touch on it. It says this, verses one and two. There shall come, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Often out of the dead comes life. And when we're willing to allow the death of, death of Christ to have effect in us, something new comes out of us. And so for some of us, I know that there'll be things that we just need to lay down. 
just need to lay them down. It's not that they're going to lay them down forever, but actually you may need to be prepared to lay them down forever so that God can bring something new out of it. And you know, I just felt as I was preparing this for you, Carl and Chrissy, as you launch and plant the Harbour Church, there's a new trunk coming from the dead stump. And there's, there's vision that you've, had to ha- that you've had that's had to die. But out of that death has come life. And this Sunday is a launch of that life. Isn't that amazing? But it had to die first. And Jürgen, I just felt for you, Jürgen and Mona, death has come. But it's not death for no reason. It's death so that new life will come. You know, it says in the scripture, doesn't it? Unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, then more, more comes. So as I come to the end of our time, I want us to to break bread in just a bit. But I want us to see Jesus as our example in our letting go. I want us to turn to to Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11. I'm going to read this. This is Jesus. He's our example. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on the cross. Jesus is our example. And as we come this morning, and as we break bread, we come to the one who gave everything for us. And what he asks of us is that we give everything for him. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us and he gives us tools like fasting and abstinence and laying things down for seasons, letting go so that we can get closer to him. And some of you here today, as we come to the table, some of you feel like that old leather glove You know Jesus lives in you, but you just feel like you're not very pliable. You're not very compliant. You're a bit beaten up and dried and things are just, I don't know, you're you're weary, you're thirsty. And the Holy Spirit just wants to come upon you and just rub his conditioning oil into you and change you and soften your heart. If that's you today, If you feel, yeah, I want the Holy Spirit to do that, even as we break bread in a bit, will you stick your hand up? Will you stick your hand up? Say, I want that in me. Yeah, see that. Is there any others? I think there's lots of us here in this room. I just want more, yeah. Just keep your hand up. Just keep your hand up. Yeah. Holy Spirit, have your way. Soften our hearts. Soften our hearts. Yeah. 
And then I think there are others here this morning as we come and break bread. There's stuff you just need to lay down. You may feel, actually, I know that I, I need to start, I need to fast. I need to fast something for a season. Or maybe there's something specifically you just say, actually, I know I've got to let this go. I've got to lay this down. And as you come to the table in just a bit, do that. Lay it down. Let Jesus have his way. Lay it down. Leave it at the table. Maybe you even want to write it down and then screw it, throw it, you know, screw it up and throw it in the bin and say, I'm letting that go. I'm leaving that behind so that Jesus can have his way. I'm going to ask the band to come up, Gideon and the team to come up to the platform. Can we, can we stand to our feet? Yeah. If you put your hand up and you're saying, I want the Holy Spirit to soften me and make me more pliable and compliant to the working of Jesus. If you did, could you just put your hand up again? That's it. If you're around these people, this is not to embarrass anyone, but if you're around, you may just want to reach out to these people. Just before we go and break, we go and get bread and juice. Just going to get these people to put their hands up again, just so we can see you. Just so we can see you. If you're around these folk, just love them, pray for them, pray for the Holy Spirit to soften their hearts, even right now. Just be aware of who's around. Keep your hands up in the air. We don't want to miss this opportunity. Yeah. Church, just just love on these people. Just. Get around them and pray for them. Pray that the Holy Spirit will just meet with them before they go and grab the bread and the juice. This meal, this communion meal that Jesus has given to us is for us as Christians who've set our love and our devotion on Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you've not made that decision to surrender your life to Jesus, can I say just give this meal a miss? This is a special meal of covenant, relationship that God, Jesus has ordained for us. But also there may be people here today who you want to give your life to Jesus. You've seen something and felt something of the love of Jesus in this room. You think, you know, I want that. I want that in my life. I want to give Jesus the Lordship in my life. So if that's you today, you can do that today. You can become a Christian, a Christ follower today. And then you can come to the table and take the bread and drink the juice and enter into this communion meal together. So let's do that. And as we do that, as we come to the table, as we continue to pray across this room that the Holy Spirit would move, I'm going to ask Gideon just to, to lead us in this song. But let's go to the tables and let's use this opportunity to lay things down. Say, Lord, I surrender. I abandon my heart to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.